Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to week four, lesson four, I mean. Uh, for the Come Follow Me. This is John chapter 1. So we're starting, we've done Matthew and Luke for the last couple of weeks, so now we're starting with um, John. We haven't done anything with Mark yet. He's still yet to come. So John's, we want to first talk a little bit about who John was and um, as a person, as a, as a writer, what was his intention. So John was uh, actually one of John the Baptist's disciples first, and then John the Baptist will introduce John to Jesus. John's uh, occupation uh, was uh, a fisherman. Um, his brother was James the Lesser. If you need some help on that, go to the Bible Dictionary with all the Jameses to get them figured out. Um, I have to do that um, once every six months. And uh, he was called the Sons of Thunder with his brother. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, in his writings, he always refers to himself in the book of John as the one Jesus loves. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, love it. That he, yeah, it's just yes. like... He never calls himself by name. Mm-hmm. He always just says, oh, and then the one Jesus loves, he did this. And he's always talking about him, about himself. So he's John the Beloved. He wrote five books of the New Testament. Uh, Revelation was written by John. He didn't die. We should yeah. point that so, out. So yeah, he's still on the earth. He's trans, uh, transfigured, uh, translated, I mean. Yes. <laughs> he's trans something. Uh, and he's on the earth. And he's, uh, so yeah, anything else about him? Uh, his object was to show Jesus as the Son of God. Right, right. So these other, you know, and you'll see that right at the very beginning of John's writings. That the other stories start off with, here's the genealogy, here's Jesus' baby. And John's going to start off like strong. He is writing to um, members of the faith. He's writing to disciples. So he's going to write a little bit deeper and to just show he is God's almighty Son. Yeah, we love um, that the first 18 verses of John just start out with his witness or his testimony of who Jesus is. Um, He wants to tell us he's the word, um, that the word was with God. He wants to tell us that um, through him all things were made that were made in him was life. Um, He talks to us about how he was the light. So one thing you may want to do at the very beginning is just go through John and pull out every way John describes who Jesus Christ was, what we learn about him. Another thing that would be really awesome in your study is to pull out the Living Christ document and lay that side by side, these 18 verses, and see where they complement each other and what you learn um, from modern day witnesses of who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, use the JST because there's uh, some changes there which would be helpful, nice if you mm-hmm. want, or the other one is is great too. And so just, uh, you could just list, list, list. We yeah. put a little box on the study sheet, but you might want to open up your journal for this one because there's a lot that you could. Yeah, it would be so good. You could learn and see. Okay, we love John 1 because of the story. This is like people, you almost could title the chapter Meeting Jesus. These are like the first time some of these people that you love throughout um, the Gospels meet Jesus for the first time. And so it's it's such a fun story. So it starts off um, about halfway through the chapter about, oh, where is it? Oh, it's 35, 36, yeah, 35. right? It starts right there. So John the Baptist is kind of the center uh, character here. 
and he's been spending time down by the water preaching, baptizing, and keeps telling people, you know, people are gathering to John. He's got a lot of disciples, a lot of people come listen to him, and uh, a crowd is always gathering, and he just says to them every time they meet, y'all, somebody greater than me is coming. Like, it's not me. It's not about me. He is coming. His sandals, I am not even worthy to buckle up. So just wait because he is coming. And there they are one day down by the river. And uh, John's mid-sermon, preaching, uh, talking. And all of a sudden, um, over the um, crest of the hill comes Jesus. And John stops mid-sentence and just says, Everybody, look. Uh, there he is, uh, the Lamb of God. And Jesus comes and, and everybody looks. And he must say it with so much um, passion and faith because the next verse says two of the people um, were like, well, like, who is he? And uh, like, we, we want to know. And so they start following Jesus, you know, uh, down the path. And Jesus turns uh, behind himself. I'm not behind, but, you know, turns behind and says in verse 38, um, what seek ye? Or what do you want? Why are you following me? And they said, Master, where dwellest thou? Or where do you live? <laughs> Which is kind of a funny yeah. question. Well, and where did you come from, <laughs> you know, like, right? Who, who are you? Yeah, and maybe with their, maybe, maybe they're starstruck. Or maybe the real question they're asking is, why does John like love you so yes. much? What is your story? What is? And I, Jesus' invitation, and this comes up again and again in the chapter in verse mm -hmm. 39, is um, come and see. You know, no answer, just... Just come along. And so they do. And verse 39 says, They came and saw and stayed with them that whole day. Um, I don't know what their plans were for the rest of that day. But uh, once they met him, they couldn't leave. And don't you love that's his invitation for all of us, right? Yeah. Jesus doesn't ever just say, this is who I am. His, his invitation always is, if you want to know who I am, come and experience. Yeah, for yourself. Just yep. come and see. Mm -hmm. I, it's so simple. It's that's every so throughout the whole thing. Anyways, next day, they couldn't stand it. One of those two was named Andrew. He'll become one of the Jesus' 12 disciples. And Andrew's brother is Simon, mm -hmm. who you know and we know as Peter. And he runs to him the next day and just finds him and he says, We found the Messiah. This is 41. Um, you have to. And 42. And he brought him to Jesus, <laughs> you know. Like Simon, I don't know if he had like fishing plans that day. And he's like, I'm sorry, you can't. But don't you love that of you just like, sorry, Drag just him. grabs him. Just you just him. have to come. Come and see, right? He's like, yeah. you have to come and, and see him. Um, and so Peter comes and has this interaction, you know, with Jesus. This is where um, where he'll get his name, but we'll come back to that in just mm -hmm. a second. Um, next day, uh, um, Philip uh, finds Jesus, probably because Andrew and Peter, because they were from all the same mm -hmm. city. You learn in 44. So Peter probably goes and gets Philip and says, Philip, oh my gosh, you have to come you have to come and find him and so he does and then philip verse 45 goes and finds his friend nathaniel don't you love how it's just like once somebody it's like when you see a really yeah. good movie or something yes. and you have to like <laughs> tell yeah, all, tell everybody. yeah i love what it's like and he first found his brother right it's going in order yeah. of, obviously there were other people he brought along as well but everybody is just going to share the good news yeah right yeah look what we found Jesus went viral before it was even a thing. You know, that is, you know, he just, so they go and he finds his friend, Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, we found him. This is verse 45. Um, of whom the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathaniel's response is, is classic of the time. 
Um, we know what the name Jesus means, and it's a tender feeling, you know, for us. But Jesus was a really common name back then. It would be like um, Jim or something. And he said he's from Nazareth, which was the sticks, y'all. Um, no road went through Nazareth. Um, nobody was from Nazareth. No one goes on vacation to Nazareth. It's population <laughs> 40. Um, and so he's from this tiny, tiny town. I don't even know if we have an equivalent here, but just think of the smallest town you can think of, minus three. Um, and that is where, that's what Nazareth is. And so he says, we found him. The one, the whole Old Testament's about. Jim from Mona. Okay, or whatever. Sorry for from Mona. But it's just it's like tiny little town. And and Nathaniel's response of 46, I mean, where was I? 46. He's like, does any good thing come out of Nazareth? There's no way. There's no way the one Moses writes about. Came from Nazareth. Yeah, that's just, There's it, no it's way. impossible. It's yeah. impossible. And Philip's response is classic because he says, I get it. I get it. This is a story that really is too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, I served as a, as a bishop um, for a couple of years and sometimes people will come in and they wanna ask questions and, and, and they wanna talk about things. And um, sometimes some of the questions people ask you, like, oh, you just gotta look into it a little bit more or you haven't mm -hmm. seen this. And, but the one question that people ask that I'm like, you're right, is when they say, this is a story that's too good to be true. I'm like, you're right, it really is too good to be true. So the response to that is come and see. That same response, come, come find out for yourself. I get it. You have your questions, you have your doubts, just come and experience it. You, because he doesn't even have words to describe, right? I remember um, several years ago we lived in Draper and it was August and it was this crazy August afternoon. You could see the storm clouds coming in and they were just black and the sky was even just a little green. So you were like, something big is coming. And I got all my kids. Coming. We do, but it wasn't. <laughs> we got, I got all my kids in the house down, and we went. We were downstairs, and the wind started to blow, and it was blowing so hard. People's trampolines were flying through our backyard, and my neighbor <laughs> had this glass picnic table, and we just watched it lift up off of her back porch, and then it hit the fence in between our house and shattered all over my backyard in little pieces. No one could go out barefoot in our backyard for like years after it happened. The storm Whoa. was like devastating. And my kids were just holding on to me, Josh and Caleb, they were just holding on for dear life. And when it was all over and it had all quieted down, we walked upstairs and I opened the door to look what the damage had been in the front yard. And there was the most unbelievable rainbow you've ever seen in your life. Up double, you could see both of them clearly. It was like right on top of our neighborhood and it was like breathtaking. And I'll never forget Josh, who was probably four at the time. He was so overwhelmed by the beauty of it that he took off running across the street and started knocking on the doors of all of our neighbors. And he was just yelling in that little four-year-old voice, come and see, come and see. He couldn't even like describe what was happening. But out of the midst of all of this dark and terrible storm was this thing that he wanted everyone to know about, but he didn't want to tell them. He wanted them to come and see for themselves. And so everybody, all of our neighbors came and stood in my front yard. And we all just stood there looking up at this rainbow. And every time I read this story, I just think, um, sometimes what you know about Jesus is so good, you don't even have words mm. to be able to describe. You just have to say, you know what, you come here, come here. And you can see for yourself what's going on. Yeah, that is, that's so awesome. Yeah, that, that same response we got from the shepherds last week, where yeah. they say, I just have to knock on everyone's door. Yes. That's what I thought of when you said that. I was like, I just have to 
This is just, just come and see. And that's, it just speaks for itself. It's yeah. a message that speaks for itself. So you okay. keep telling okay, it gets Nathaniel. better. It gets come and better. see. So Nathaniel starts going. This is verse 47. Jesus sees Nathaniel coming. They have not been introduced yet. And he mm -hmm. says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. We'll come back to that in just a second. But that is like, this man has a heart of gold. And Nathaniel hears it. And he says in 48, whence knowest thou me? He's like, do you know me? Have, have we met? What? Why would you... And it's such a great compliment. Like if, if we had never met and I saw you and I was like, hey, um, nice shirt or something, you'd be like, thanks, wow, that's really <laughs> nice. But to compliment someone's heart and soul day one, he's like, whoa. And then Jesus answered and says this, before Philip called thee, before he went and got you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answers back well, and let's, says. Let's say this first. If you've ever been to Israel, do you know how many fig trees there are? Yeah, there's so many They're everywhere. everywhere. Also, it's really hot in Israel. And so the odds that someone is going to be sitting under a fig tree... Is 100%. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> sitting under fig trees. And so there's something that is a little bit weird about yeah. these verses because you feel like a lot of people are probably sitting under fig trees. But yeah, the good guess. Good, response yeah. is so unique of what how he responds back. Yeah, look what he says. Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Bows down in worship, gushes. And you're like, listen, the normal response to I saw you under the fig tree is, oh. okay, awesome. But Nathaniel gives a response that's not typical. This is like kind of over the top for I saw you under the fig tree, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. You had to just start thinking to yourself something significant must have happened under the fig tree. We don't know what it is, but probably it was something that only Nathaniel and God knew about. It was just that moment. If you were to ask yourself, is there a moment that you look back in your life that only you and the Lord know about? What is that moment? Um, we love to think about this when we teach the story is, what is your fig tree moment? What's the moment only you and the Lord know about that just solidified your testimony of him that you just know, maybe it was a tender mercy, maybe it was a miracle your family experienced, maybe it was an answer to a prayer, but some moment that was just touched your heart, it was significant to you that happened that let you know Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of God. What is that moment? And that, and that he knows who I am. Yes. Intimately. You know, like, yeah, right. Like mm -hmm. some something happened there that only yeah. God and Nathaniel would have known, and and that's what he was kind of cluing into him. And he's mm -hmm. like, "Wow, you know, he knows me, right? He really does know my heart, yeah, right." So this is, I mean, this chat it's just so fun. This chapter is so fun of just all these like the come and see, going, getting friends, and everybody meeting him. And you love the response the from Jesus to Nathaniel at the very end. We oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, this so is the best weird. thing. He says in 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, believest thou? He was like, that's what, it, you already believe? It that's it? <laughs> and then he says this, thou shalt see greater things than these, right? Uh, or in other words, buckle up, Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. But he's like, you are about, you are beginning. You thought that was good? <laughs> you are wait, beginning. Wait you Just, see. this is chapter one, man. This is chapter one. Just yeah. wait. To see what is going to happen. And tells him in 51, if you read this, you might be like, what's he saying? He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's a story about Jacob in the mm-hmm. Old Testament and Jacob's ladder and seeing the vision of heaven and angels. And that's a story Nathaniel would have grown up on as a kid. Mm-hmm. It was a bedtime story to him, the miracles of the Old Testament. So Jesus is talking about one and just saying like, you know all those stories from the Old Testament? They're about to happen in your life. You will see angels, you will see glory, you will see things you never imagined. And that's what happens when you choose to come and see, right? When you choose to have personal experiences with Jesus Christ, you're going to experience greater things than you could ever imagine right. would happen in your life. That's just what happens when you have personal encounters with the Lord. Right. Lehi's got the same promise when he mm-hmm. says, eat this fruit. It's better than anything you've ever tasted. Mm-hmm. You just, he can't even describe it, right? He's like, you just yeah. have to try it. You just have to, to come and see. One of the things that is so fun in this chapter is to hear how they introduce who Jesus is to each other, right? There's all different names of Christ, like we were looking at um, in in lesson two. There's so many names of Christ here that you may want to go through and just highlight both um, in verses one through eighteen, but also as each of these um, men are yeah, they're all they're all looking for him as someone else. They all relate to him in a different way. John starts off by saying. It's the Lamb of God. That's how he like mm-hmm. sees and identifies the King of Israel. Nathaniel says, um, the Son of God, um, Messiah, which means Christ. Right? They're all looking for him under these different names. Yep. And if you're going to keep track of that in your scriptures, just highlighting all those names of Christ, all of the references you need are on the paper, so you'll be able to go yeah. through and just highlight those. But there's a really interesting thing that happens in here. Um, not only do we recognize names of Christ, but we learn something about the Lord here that is unique and also fun to watch for, and that he names the people who he's working with, right? He gives them nicknames. Um, often a nickname is something that endears you to someone. Yeah, yeah. And um, that he does that. He starts going through and, and telling these men something about them and even a name that he's going to call them to remind them what he sees in them, which is so powerful to me. Um, We're just going to go through a name, some, but Simon, right there, um, in verse 42, when he says, And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas, thou shalt be called Cephas, which by interpretation is a stone. Um, And it's not just any stone. That that, um, translation of that word would actually be the type of stone that would be a seer stone. So, it lets you know that um, what Jesus already saw in Peter right when he met Peter. He just saw that he was going to become uh, this remarkable man that Peter couldn't have had any idea in that moment. But the name Jesus gives him is this name of who he will become. Yeah, and Cephas is also translated Petra, rock, or mm-hmm. Peter. And that's why we call him Peter. It's actually his nickname. His real given name was Simon. Simon. But we call him his nickname. Like, that's how he's known, which is awesome. Yeah, because so awesome. it's what Jesus saw. Don't you love it? He was yeah. like son of Jonah. Like, he walks up to him and he's just like, hey, you're Jonah's yeah. boy. He's yeah. like, I'm going to call you the rock. And all of on. that is in the footnotes. So if you want to be highlighting that in your scriptures, that, that's where it will give you some of those. Yeah. So Nathaniel, you remember we said this, you just mentioned it while we were telling the story, that he comes up to when he sees him and he says, there is a man in whom there's no guile, which means you, you've got such an honest golden heart. It's mm. so pure. Like no guile means your intentions are always good. Um, an Israelite indeed, he says. And Israelite, Israel, remember, was God's like chosen covenant people. And so he's an Israelite indeed is, is a way to just say like you are just 
faithful to the core. That's mm-hmm. what he calls Nathan. Nathaniel's surprised by it, you know, but Jesus is teaching him what he sees in him and what he can become. Oh, and I just love that part. Um, and James and John, we love, he calls them the sons of thunder. Don't you want to meet them? Like, what <laughs> qualifies you for that kind of a name? The sons of thunder it is so good. Yeah, and that, that reference is on there. We find that in the book of Mark, but we just wanted to throw it in yeah. into the spot. It's so good. You know, right here. And um, as we thought about this, as we were going through, we thought to ourselves, um, what would Jesus say about you? What name would he give you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, um, who would he describe you as and what you could accomplish in your life? And um, this year at Christmas, um, every year, Greg and I give our kids a meaningful gift, and we just spend time thinking about it. And all of our boys are at the point where they um, are, have entered into their professions, what they're going to do, and they're starting to have an office desk or, or have a place where they work. For Garrett, it's obviously a locker, but yeah. everybody has their spot where they work. And I thought, I would love to just give them a reminder of what I see in them and, and the good qualities they have that they bring. And as I was trying to think about it and think what I could give them, they could just sit on their desk and praying a little bit about what I wanted to write about them. I just had this prompting, really, you should you should find something that represents what God sees in them. And I thought to myself, well, how would I know like what God sees? I mean, I can imagine, but I don't know. And then the prompting came again, look in their patriarchal blessings. And um, a patriarchal blessing, for those of you who don't know, is just a blessing that you are given once in your lifetime. And it is a blessing from heaven, from God, that describes who you are and what you have the potential to become. And it's um, one or two pages usually. And so I pulled out these sacred blessings of each of my kids and started going through. And I had never noticed before, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, how many qualities are actually contained in a patriarchal blessing um, and descriptive words of who my boys were. And as I started writing down these words, I, I thought to myself, wow, my, I have some really powerful kids in my home that I hadn't realized. Um, that power that they had and um, I got all their words listed out and as I was listing out the words I stumbled I was looking for statues they could put on their desk and I stumbled upon these awesome statues um, just on Amazon that I found and um, I bought a different one for each of my kids just what I thought if God were to look at them maybe what he would see in them who they were this is my son Caleb's who is um, in medical school right now And this is a saint that represents healing. Everything about him, his staffs, everything has to do with just healing people. And I thought, oh, I would love Caleb to look at this every day and just see um, that maybe this is who God sees in him, this powerful saint who is capable of bringing healing. And for each of my boys, the statue is different, but powerful for each of them. And I took time to take each of those words from their blessings and just write them. so that they would be able to see and remember this is this is what God sees in me. This is who I could become in my life with him. And maybe that's something you want to do um, in your families. We love the scripture that is in John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe. And we just feel strongly that the Lord really will give each of us the power to become um, the, the sons and daughters of God through him, through 
his atoning sacrifice through what he is able to do for us through grace to enable us to become exactly who he knows we can become, just like he did for Peter, just like he did for each of these men. The same is true for us. And maybe you do want to sit down and for your younger kids, just write down, these are the heaven sent qualities that I see in you. Um, David was saying it might be fun to write a letter to them and just put it in an envelope and at the end of this lesson hand to each of them um, this is what I think God would see in you if you if you have older kids and they've received their patriarchal blessing then you might want to take a minute to go through and type those up or let them go through yeah have them search it yeah, and, and see, find the like, qualities um, and the good things that God sees in them and you know what? It just uh, it will be an experience where sometimes it's hard for someone to believe that about themselves. Mm. And um, I think it's important to point out and use the scripture to say, it's not about what you can do through like grit and goal setting, but it's about what God can do. This is a testament about that God can take someone so ordinary, so plain, and turn them into something. Yeah. It, this is this is centered on who he, it's a lot more about who he is than who you than are. who we are. Mm -hmm. Because what can he make us? He's got the power to mm -hmm. turn this. I mean, what what did Peter think when right. he walks up and he's just like, I see in you yeah. strength and seership and power is what I see. And he's just like, I haven't even taken a shower after fishing, <laughs> you know. And it's like it's not about Peter. Yeah. It's about this is how magnificent God is that he can take ordinary people. Yep. So good. This this chapter is so it's good. It's one of our there favorites. Are so many things you're going to be able to do with this. It's just so. a really, really fun one. And let's make a mention again here. We really are wanting to know what you are doing in your homes. And um, so on Facebook or even on our Instagram, if you want to be posting, what was your favorite part of your lesson from last week? Um, so that we can just be learning from each other and keeping up with each other would be so awesome. Yeah, and we're going to try and put those in the newsletter, just little tips from each other that yep. we're finding because we don't have the best ideas in the world. We're just kind of sharing this is what, you know, what we like. Yep. So thanks for And if you haven't along. signed up for the newsletter, sign up oh, yeah. at emilybellfreeman.com. Um, and it'll come every Monday, all the tips you need. Yeah, or you can find those links in our bios on, on Instagram too. Yep. Yep. So... All right, have a hey, good week. Good luck. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.